All right, here we go. Welcome to the Woodward's Filmcast with Mitch Haba and Colin Ward. Let's go and make the greatest movie ever. Yeah. All right. Camera. What the hell is going on? What a piece of junk. That's really not the case here. This is a great script. Look, here's the mic. Now you talk, toys. Here's your host, Kale Davidoff. Who's, who's listening to more episodes, Liz or Colin? It's Liz by two. You've never <laughs> listened to any? No. Not a full episode. I've no. listened to more than two. Colin, I've never, I only have been in your apartment during the daytime. <laughs> it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. What a view. That view of the parking lot. View. Right. I, it's the best way to, to look out into the new year. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is our third. This is our third calendar year as a film cast group. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, 2015, 2016, and we are officially in 2017. Does that you guys ever stop to? Does that just blow your mind that it's 2017? In what sense? In the, in the sense that like when you were young, it was 1999, and you were like, man, I'm never. 2017 seems so long from now. I mean, it's like the t- 2017th year. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I I like I saw it coming. <laughs> that makes like, one of like, us. Ooh. <laughs> like, wonder what year it's coming next. It still feels like uh, Y2K was not that long ago, when everyone was stocking up because they thought we were gonna die. I, I feel like I'm. I don't know. That was decades ago. Wow, it was. How was your New Year, Mitch? Uh, pretty good. Didn't do much. Just uh, went to a friend's. Drink. Great, Colin. It was really nice. Uh, I don't like ever going out on like bar nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, I just went over to a friend's house and drank and hot tubbed and played cards against humanity and beer pong and listened to music. Did you have a hot tub, as some people refer to it as? Do you have, you a, have hot a hot tub? tub? Yeah. Have you ever heard that? It's like have like a shower. having a swim. Have a swim. Oh, yeah. have a we shower. Did. We had a, few you had a hot tub. <laughs> Liz, we went out drinking with some friends. Yes. Had fun. Yes. Did anyone watch a movie on New Year's Eve? Um, we watched Mariah Carey perform. Oh yes, While at did. Soho, and it was which was a range of emotions. <laughs> I feel like I watched a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> We should do glitter. Are we already past that? I don't year? know what I can say. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to rag on Mariah Carey, but that's not. This is not what that podcast. It's a little podcast. bit about. We'll that. save that for when we do maybe, a glitter yeah, podcast. Maybe, maybe later. Um, this is the Woodward's Filmcast, your Detroit podcast for film, TV, news, and discussion. My name is Kale Davidoff. I'm here as I am every week with my friends, Mitch and Colin. Me, Mitch, and Colin. We get together every week to discuss a film in great detail. We also talk about some movie and TV news. Headlines. Also, we do some uh, video on demand recommendations at the end of the show. We are joined this week by a very special guest, all the way from Los Angeles, California, Liz. Hi. Liz actually was on uh, a show two years ago in the year of 2015 with us, me and Colin, um, where we, we discussed the visit. So this is actually this is your second episode, Liz. Thank Welcome you. back. Thank you. What was your favorite film of 2016? Mm, I didn't see that many. But, I mean, I gotta you, say... I'm sorry, Liz works in the film industry. Liz, you, you yes. do some art production. Yes. Um, I think... Okay, well, The Lobster, I forgot about it. 
after I saw La La Land, that was maybe it. But then, and we'll get into that. We but will. As our film of the week. Kale reminded me of The Lobster, which I thought was fantastic. And everyone should see it. Even though it's weird. It's great. And we will get more into La La Land in a moment later on in the show. That is our film of the week. Um, maybe not Maybe not our last 2016 film. There's still a few we've got to see. Um, so I don't want to, I personally, for the three of us, I don't want to yet say what our favorite films of 2016 were. Because I haven't seen a few. I want to see a few before I make that judgment call. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. still have, like, yeah. we'll, we'll do, like, a 2016 year in review episode or mm-hmm. something. We should, yeah, like, in each of us do a top ten. Yes, yes. Do it yeah. as a podcast. Because we can't, yes. we can't do an episode for every single one that we haven't seen yet. No. It would be, like, seven or eight of them. Right. <laughs> um, but before <laughs> we get into happen. La La Land, I, I, we want to do some news. Um, sad news first. And it's less news, but we get, I mean, it's been a, a week or so since. But uh, really, it was the the passing of George Michael, and then the passing of Carrie Fisher, and then Debbie Reynolds, and there were more more in there uh, this past week. But uh, those are the three big ones. Um, man, so Carrie Fisher had a heart attack on New Year's or on Christmas Eve. Eve Christmas Eve, yeah, and then. Or that maybe it was the 23rd. It's kind of unclear. They said that she it happened during the Christmas period. Right. And then on the 20th... I 20- remember talking about it on Christmas Eve. So. Yeah, I think it was one of those. But then, so we were in Chicago on the 27th, and <clears throat> one of you mentioned it in the group and that she had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I never thought... It's one of those things as a Star Wars fan first that like like Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford... Carrie Fisher, John Williams, George Lucas, like those five people. No love for Billy D, I see. <laughs> <laughs> but those five people in particular were, were people that like, you know, Aiden like the year 2017, I never thought I would see a year where, or a day where I would be like, wow, that person's gone, especially that sudden. And she was young. She was 60 years old. Crazy. Colin, I know you were a big fan of Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts of her, her career? I mean, I think one of, I mean, everyone knows her from Star Wars, but like my, even my dad was, my dad was texting me, I think like two or three days ago. He was like, oh, I didn't realize like how much writing she did and like how funny like of a person she was. I mean, like postcards from the edge. Um, have you seen that movie? Yes, I have, I have. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's really so great. It's a screenplay and, and that, a book she wrote. Yeah, yeah, and that was even before I knew that that was like Carrie Fisher. Like I, I saw it, and then I was like, oh, that's that was like a that was a good movie. That's like funny and tragic and and whatnot. And then I wasn't until I saw her HBO Wishful Drinking mm-hmm. special that I was like, oh, that was that. <laughs> like that was that story. Um, and just you know, all like the script doctoring she's like done throughout. Um, her career and what she's you know done for mental illness and you know not making light of it but not like destigmatizing all that too I thought was huge I'm, I mean she was such a creative and talented force that I don't think people recognized um how how good she was. And how some people maybe not how tragic of a life she kind of just was born into, and obviously with the passing of her mother Debbie Reynolds just a day after, 
uh, I think a lot of people started to be more conscious of her whole story, which is really incredible. I mean, we were, Liz and I watched slash listen. You, you, you watched. I listened to Wishful Drinking on the way home from Chicago while I was driving. Um, it's funny. She in that she talks about her mother and father were Hollywood royalty and Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, and she was just. I love how she's joking about how she she was famous and uh, married a short Jewish singer <laughs> in Paul Simon, <laughs> just, just like her mother did. Her, but, yeah. but her life, I mean, I just, her life was just so fascinating in kind of a tragic way. And I guess she was tragic in the sense that she was always in the limelight, always. And that's what I loved most about it, especially Wishful Drinking. She talks about what it's like to be a celebrity and how just silly it all is. Um, and you know, as a star, as a Star Wars fan, you feel a little guilt about it, but no one, no one walked the line of celebrity better than Carrie Fisher, I think. Because she also, she like, I guess I think she dogged it so much, but she was at every convention, mm-hmm. and you can be, you know, you can be cynical about it and say she was trying to make a quick buck every time she did that. But I really believe she loved the company of fans and being uh, embraced by people that were strangers. I mean, I think she, she, you know, I think she says much that she kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, oh, I will probably misquote it, but she did say something about, um, you know, like, did Star Wars ruin her life? And she was like, well, no. I mean, if Star Wars, if Star Wars is going to ruin my life, then it deserved to be ruined. I mean, it's it's not that bad of a thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Ultimately, I think she just has such a. I mean, and wishful drinking just blew my mind. She has such a good sense of humor about mm-hmm. a really upsetting life. You can tell she's a great storyteller too. And it's a, I think it's a, I mean, I guess I don't know, but it seems that she has remained close to her mother despite how difficult her yeah. relationship seems to be with her. I mean, and that's pretty clear in the fact that her mother died the day after she died but i mean she said they live next to each other no they they were they performed together still i think it's they they talked a lot it was not like they were estranged yeah 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 i i liked her her just cynicism toward hollywood and how she could joke about it and you know just her awareness of what it meant to be famous and um yeah, I, and I I really liked her dog. <laughs> yeah, Gary Fisher is one of my favorite Gary. Instagram and Twitter followers. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gary's the best. I feel bad for him the most. Oh, Gary! I know yeah. that stuff really gets for me. him more than Billy. Well, no, I mean, it's, yeah. it really is. It is. His tongue and hanging out. <laughs> I, mean, just, I just I, last year when it was you know shortly before this time when she was doing all the publicity for Force Awakens before it came out, you couldn't like. Every interview she did like became like a thing on Facebook. Like, watch oh, Carrie yeah. Fisher on the Today yeah. Show. Watch her on Good Morning America. She, like, she doesn't even like really even talk about Star Wars in any no. of them. She was just like, ah, here's a dog. Like, here's what I did this morning. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you remember the 30 Rock episode with her? Yeah, it's one of my favorites. She wrote like for the. Yeah, and like, it an strikes old... me as so funny now, especially. I guess I didn't realize when I first saw it that she was a comedy writer herself, but she plays a comedy writer in the show that they 
you know, she's old, she's out of the game, but they want to bring her back and like kind of liven up the show. And she turns out to be insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so great because it's kind of like supposed to be her a little bit. And I think that it's just she's such a good sense of humor. <laughs> One of my favorite lines, never follow a hippie to a second location. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's about her. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, at the very end, her like last line is like, "Help me, Liz Lemon, you're my only." Yeah, brings it all back. It's so good. Uh, it, it, I know it's the, it's really cliche, but it's just it's hard to it's hard it's hard for me to like put it into it's it, it's harder. I I wrote about this, but it's it's harder to express how you feel about losing someone you never met. <laughs> Because it seems silly, it seems, and that's part of what she was always talking about, the celebrity dumb kind of like lifestyle she was living, but, you know, I don't know, it's bizarre. And it, and it capped <laughs> off a year in which it seemed like we lost more popular talent than, than usual, which mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's really true, but it definitely felt that way. And it might just be because it's our heroes now that are dying. <laughs> Well, yeah, getting older. Yeah, but and, and too, I mean, I was talking about this with someone at work the other day. We were like, yeah, you know, probably like the same amount of people died. But this year it seemed especially icons in their... I said that weird. Icons. <laughs> <laughs> icons in their field. Uh, Prince, Bowie, Gene Wilder. Um, I forgot about Gene Wilder. Muhammad Ali. Gordie Howe. I mean, Alan Rickman. Their, their, the landscape of the field that they worked in. Yeah, like pioneers in their industry. Um, yeah. That seemed bigger this year than, um, than, well, last year than any other time I can remember. Yeah. I was just going to say the in memoriam for the Oscars is going to be pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> they better not forget anyone. They better not. They do. They, they, they always do. They left out Rivers that, left that, out one Rivers. Yes. that was a yeah. travesty. Are you kidding me? I was yeah. pissed about that. How do they? Who decides that? Like uh, some intern. It's so no, mean. I don't know. They're just like no, <laughs> cross them off. Um, before we, I, I do want to just think about it while we get talked about the other two. But I do want to. Which one affected you guys the most this year? But before we get to that, I, I, I do want to talk about Debbie Reynolds and Mitch. When, when Debbie Reynolds passed away, and I was Liz and I were in La La Land when mm-hmm. I started getting notifications about this. I mean, you, I think it was you who said, yeah. man, Carrie can't even have her own death. <laughs> and <laughs> it is. True. To be I mean, fair, I didn't make that is, up on my own. A lot it, of people well, were I mean, She would appreciate that joke. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> but it is like, it is funny and tragic and, and sweet. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Like, it is also like, that is yeah. a tender moment for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, we, we Debbie Reynolds is one of the biggest stars in Hollywood ever. So it's not like... You know, she's not just Princess Leia's mom. <laughs> she was right. extremely talented. Singing in the Rain is one of my favorite movies ever. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's the, I think it's the best movie about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I need to rewatch that just for yeah. I mean, it's more mature eyes, and it holds. It's not like a boring old musical. Yeah. It's like really fun and funny, and um, you know, Liz and I, we watched a couple of clips, and it's funny. And I, I not to dog La La Land. I, we were talking about this, um, but. You know, Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds dancing. It's unbelievable what the hell they do in that movie and all of her movies. Mm-hmm. Even when she was pregnant with Carrie Fisher, some of the things she was doing, which is hilarious. Um, but just the fantastic talent and someone that, that, like, growing up, like, my mother and my grandfather really adored at the level of I adored Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia. It's kind of crazy mm-hmm. how. In two days, the two generations of heroes that were family members just gone. 
Have you guys you ever watched Debbie Reynolds movies? The only, I think the only one I've seen um, was Singing in the Rain, and then I mean Halloween Town. Right, Halloween Town. No, I seriously forgot. That. I mean, That's you didn't, so you didn't great. Know that, right? that made it. For, I know this is pathetic. It made it way sadder. Just because I mean I know I knew Singing in the Rain. I haven't seen it in yeah. years and years, and I hardly remember it. But I grew up watching Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, but watching Singing in the Rain, I was like, okay, she's for real. Yeah. That's the, I mean, you can't expect Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Reynolds, uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone to tap dance like that because why would they? People don't do that in movies anymore, but that dancing is insane. Yeah. And singing. I mean, Debbie mm-hmm. Reynolds has been great, yeah. incredible singer. Tammy. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, whenever someone says Tammy, all I could think of is Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, in and Out was one she was in. She played the mother of Kevin Klein. Uh, oh, in I've ever seen that. Have, have you guys ever seen that? No. In and Out. It's where he's a teacher and his like former drama teacher at a high school, and his former student wins an Oscar and then outs him on TV. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least says you know so much. Uh, so yeah, it's really good. I like that. But at the very end, she, Debbie Reynolds stands up and she goes, I'm a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I liked her in Will and Grace too. Was she in Will and Grace? Yeah, she's, she great. she's, she's Grace's mom. Oh my God. Yeah. She's in everything. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't even realize that. Um, and we would be remiss to not also mention at least since the last time we recorded the podcast people have passed away i mean george michael another shock i mean honestly like I, how does this happen I mean, so many young people too is i think the the thing this year and young, you know young is a relative term but shit george michael's dead mm-hmm. did he have cancer or something did they, did say they come yet? out and say what happened no they said it was peaceful heart, heart failure yeah. in his sleep i think Hmm. I think it's like a similar thing happened to Drew Sharp this year, the Detroit's free press writer. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Anyways, I was I'm a huge fan of Wham and George Michael, um, and I, it's it's I mean I it's maybe this maybe this is like an insult to the music, but it's one of our favorite things to put on at work, <laughs> like in the background of us doing work. But you know, it's a certain type of music that I think. Uh, you know, we put on George Michael Pandora on New Year's, and everyone in the room is like, "Oh my God, this is him! Mm. This is him!" Like, you know, you might not be a fan of it, but you you'll know a lot of the songs. Um, and there's this joke in La La Land where Emma Stone calls uh, Ryan Gosling George Michael as an insult. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, everyone in the theater, timing. our theater was packed, and everyone in the theater went, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that." You guys fan of uh, fans of Wham, George Michael? We, you know, we saw Keanu this year, yeah. and that was a huge plot point of that film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a huge fan, no. It's not my kind of music. I usually put on Jitterbug to, as like well, a joke. Yeah. As like a joke. It's funny how like I think it's like like so Zoolander, good, Zoolander, the Zoolander Keanu, scene is and the best. Like there's, I think George Michael and Wham music has kind of become, you know, campy humor for film. But everyone still loves it. I mean. I would listen to Jitterbug outside of being hilarious. I mean, I would listen to that on my own. I maybe didn't tell anyone, but <laughs> I used to listen to Jitterbug yeah, a lot every, on my own. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> Careless Whisper? I love yeah, that song. Yeah. 
And we, we I forgot Kissing the Fool. You know that song? If you heard it, you'd be like, oh shit. It's not, it's like, like it sounds like a J, uh, uh, Frank Sinatra kind of like standard, but with 80s music. Mm. Um, <clears throat> man. Carol's Whisper is another one of those that's like, put on as a joke i don't know why it, 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 it is, is it is but then you but you like listen to it, you're like damn i mean he could sing yeah. <laughs> you're like this is really fucking good mm-hmm. yeah i do like that scene in keanu that's available on hbo now i think funny movie i need to watch i it. liked it um faith freedom faith, freedom father figure father figure yeah a lot of, a lot of songs um last christmas obviously actually one of my favorite christmas songs and he died on christmas and he died on christmas <laughs> Um, it was his last Christmas. Um, so all this being said, out of all of the, we don't have to keep it to film, but all the celebrity deaths this this year in 2016, uh, which one hit you guys the hardest? Mitch. I think one of the first ones was David Bowie. That really hit me. Um, but then as time went on, it was just more and more. Gene Wilder sucked. I think Alan Rickman sucked too because he was still very young. Good, uh, still had a lot of performances in, in him. And Eye in the Sky we, we saw earlier this year, and he was year. really good yeah. in that. Probably won't get any attention, but um, but he was really good in that. So Carrie Fisher sucked a lot too, but mainly because of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no! I just kept watching dog. interviews with that dog. I was like. Oh. <laughs> Damn, gotta gotta find that dog. And then when they they came out with the news that uh, Billy would be watching uh, Gary, there everyone was like, "Oh, thank God." Uh, I <laughs> hope so. Poor Gary. Liz, which one? Um, I'm probably the only one who's gonna pick this, but well, you said it. I, I think Alan Rickman, just because I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, and he was absolutely perfect as Snape. And I mean, he's been, I mean, anyone who's been watching Harry Potter has been growing up watching him in that role, which is a really great character that he pulled off perfectly. So it's just really awful. I mean, it's, for me, it feels, I mean, it's not the same as Carrie Fisher, but it feels more like that probably feels for like Kale. Alan Rickman. I think, um, Deathly Hallows Part 1 was on TV today when I was working out and down in like the gym and it was the scene where I don't Don't give any spoilers. Okay. But you but just like, Kale hasn't seen it yet. I'm right. trying to get him to watch it. In the scene where there are like the death theaters and everybody are at that table. Yes. They, oh, that's a great scene. Yeah, there um Alan Rickman's acting and his eyes is just so like he's on fantastic. point when you know. Yes. So. I mean, Alan Rickman, I mean, Die Hard. Uh, I was watching Dogma a few weeks ago. He's great mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Um, Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah. Galaxy I mean, Quest. He was, he was so a, funny. He was a, he was a, a, a genuine A-plus, A-list actor who would do roles like that, like like Dogma and like Galaxy Fun Quest. Ones, yeah. But he, you know, like absolutely perfect at them in comedy. Mm-hmm. Um even you know, even Die Hard in a way is, is a little silly, but uh, he's also a great villain. In Hans first Gruber. film, right? Yeah, first at least first big film. Yeah, um, I also so get th- the impression that he's a very well liked man. Oh yeah, he's I think really good friends with J.K. Rowling, and yeah, they've I mean, written some really nice public letters to each other. 
about their experience together. Yeah, I, I know a few people we've worked with one. had worked with him, and when he passed away, it was like people had never met a nicer A-list celebrity in their mm-hmm. life. So definitely sad. Was was Alan Rickman yours, Colin? No, no. Well, I mean, then you talk about you know deaths. It's it kind of they falls into like two categories: so like saddest and like most shocking. The most shocking to me was Prince, um, but like at the same time, I, n- I never really mourned Prince because to me, and I feel like I've said this on the yeah. podcast before, like he was so unattainable mm-hmm. that like he almost felt otherworldly to me. Like he, like in my mind, like Prince is still out there doing like some fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like he, maybe it's just me not having process, but like, I mean, constantly listen to Prince music all the time still. But um, saddest to me, and I think the one, like the week of this, for me, was David Bowie, because um, he released the album like right in like in tune with it. Just and what really got me was like ever the artist like releasing an album that dealt so much personally with him on that same week uh, was really really sad for me. Yeah. And like still listening, listening back to it, like listening back to Lazarus is like. I think such an emotional experience is, yeah, for me. If you haven't listened to it. Yeah. He didn't really tell anyone, right? No. I mean, that's yeah, that's what makes it so upsetting too. Is he just kind of peacefully died, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's Carrie Fisher for sure. Um, and I, on your point about other world, I mean, I, I feel the same way. It's also it's hard to like feel like Carrie when someone is immortalized in music or movies it's like hard to really feel the hole that's left in the movie because like they're always going to be there and look with the technology we're seeing her character is probably going to live on in live action star wars movies um as carrie fisher so it's hard to like really grasp it all so i understand what you're saying with prince um and on that note like prince to me was also really sad in a selfish way because he was here last summer and I didn't see him. And I've always, always gotten this lesson from my mother who chose not to see Elvis in 1977 at the Silverdome because she didn't like the Silverdome acoustics. <laughs> <laughs> and he died shortly after that. Um, to be fair, those acoustics were terrible. I know. But That's show. such a cool thing for your mom, though. Like, I'm not going to see Elvis. I don't like the acoustics. Right, right. It's like but, really badass. Know, but I, I don't know what my excuse... You know, I'm sure I think you asked me to go last year, and I don't know, yes, what, I don't know what my silly excuse was, even if it was a real one. But it probably when, wasn't. When they were someone... <laughs> tickets when, were a fortune. It's just a less, yeah, that was a real reason. They right. really weren't, though. It was eighty dollars to see Prince at the Fox, like doy, <laughs> doy. <laughs> I know. My point is, my point is, is like especially with musicians, uh, when they're in town and, and and they are at the level of of Prince's and Elvis's and Michael Jackson's, you gotta go, even if you're not you a big fan. I mean, it's like it's a once in a lifetime. You don't say no. Don't yeah. say no. It's a, um, like earlier this year, Hall and Oates when they came to. Um, CTE, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings opened. Mm-hmm. And we didn't make it in in time to see Sharon Jones, and then she died. She died too. A couple yeah. months ago. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, poo. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, happy stuff. Let's do some happy things. Colin, really quick before we get into La La Land, you yeah. want to talk about 26 because the box offices are closed on 2016 now. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, no more movies. No more movies. <laughs> In the books. What are, what are our top 10 highest grossing films of 2016? Um, going from 10 down to one, sure. we got 10 uh, Doctor Strange, Suicide Squad, Batman Superman, uh, Zootopia, Deadpool, Jungle Book, Secret Life of Pets. Uh, Civil War is at three, uh, Rogue One is at two, and Finding Dory at number really? one. Really? This is all surprising. Well, Finding Dory was surprising? the number one highest grossing? Yeah, it made yeah. a ton of money. Yeah. Really, um, really I mean, quietly. I guess it's not surprising, but Life of Pets sneaking That's in the there at number, did you say number three? Four. That's number four, yeah. I didn't even know anyone saw it, and I see animated movies, and I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. I really did not hear anything good about that yeah. movie. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Also, I, I didn't see Finding Dory, which is sad. I should, but I it's didn't hear anything about it. Well, I mean, in the th- I mean, there's a few things about this list that, that stand out well, to yeah, me. Well, yeah, go ahead. Um, and today, especially since I saw Moana um, early this morning, in a sold-out showing of Moana yeah, <laughs> at several 11 weeks in, yeah. And, and That's been out for weeks. Exactly. Yeah. And Sing had two showtimes that were both sold out. Wow. So I... Don't think, I mean, I know, I forget this. Um, kids and parents love to yeah. go to movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Yeah. Do they ever. Whatever gets and the Matt kids to shut up. And, well, well, here's the thing. Sometimes they don't fucking shut up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's very true. It's the worst part of the movie. Do you tell a kid to movies. shut up in oh, Moana? <laughs> no, but I, I got up and moved seats because there was an annoying <laughs> one by me. Colin, is there anything on that list that is an original? Zootopia is the only original. Well, this is the other point I want to get mm-hmm. at. Um, all the top 10 movies are animated or superhero or like sequels. Ugh. Um, but that's, but this isn't any different than usual. No, it's not. Um, I don't know, though. I don't, I don't I mean, I don't think. Last year it had to have been the same. Probably. Yeah, I mean, pretty, probably. pretty similar at least. I can't I mean, think of any original movies that. It's. It. I mean, and Mitch and I were kind of going over this before uh, you guys came came in, but um, I mean, just going down the line, then too, you got like Fantastic Beasts, Moana, Sing, Jason Bourne, Star Trek, X Men, Trolls. Jason Bourne's in the top fifteen. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Is this Con- is this domestic or global? Domestic. Really? Yeah. I'm actually surprised Fantastic Beasts didn't make top ten. Yeah. Just for not as far as quality or anything, but just as far as brand following. Yeah. That's but, really you know, surprising. But, but the thing we noticed about Fantastic Beasts is that there's no original Harry Potter character in the movie. Right, but if you're and a that, Harry Potter fan, you're going to see that I'm movie. just saying also, to their credit, I mean, I, I say this really wholeheartedly to Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling and David Yates' credit. Harry Potter's not in the title. I mean, you know, Rogue yeah. One, they knew what they were doing. If they call it Rogue One, there's a, there's a percentage of people that are not going to go see it. That's true. Calling it a Star Wars story gets people to the theater. So I may I wonder I'm if that, sure there are people who didn't know. Well, I wonder if that's going to change their their uh, marketing plan in the future. Harry Potter, yeah. colon. Harry Potter, Harry right. Potter, Warner Brothers, Harry Potter, <laughs> Fantastic Beasts, colon, <laughs> colon. Where, where to find them? Colon David two. Yates presents. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not until we get to number twenty on the list where I mean I think this is wrong. Right? I think I mean I, I think I'm right here where we get a actual original. Movie not that's anim- not, not animated. animated. Um, Central Intelligence, number 20. What's that? Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
and then, you're, then, then after that you're back to animes and um remakes and sequels after that one too so crazy it is crazy also i don't i think does rogue if if rogue one continues to make money in january does it count that's, that's yeah that's i think it i think it does discussing too we don't, don't really I, think, I mean i think it does because it's a 2016 movie mm-hmm. i guess so i mean they only had three weeks in 2016 to, to get whatever mm-hmm. number two spot that is yeah and it, it's really close to Finding Dory, it's, and only, it's, it's only like picking up steam. Right? Yeah. It's it not going to catch the Force Awakens yeah. already. Wow, <laughs> no way going to catch no, the Force Awakens. That um, it was anybody thinking it was going to. Um, that would be no, close. but you always, I guess you always have that opportunity. I, I mean, guess so. if if any movie is going to do it, it's probably going to be a Star Wars movie. A Star Wars movie, right? Or Avatar two, actually, if they ever come out. Right. <laughs> um, or Avatar three or four. Those are still all in IMDb, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> to be determined. I did see a headline that he was like going over like to Disney to like approve well, they're, the yeah, they're, they're, like the theme Avatar theme park. I'm like, how about we make another movie? <laughs> no, the theme park the, the, the theme park's making more steam than uh the than movies. The movies. I'm super excited about the theme park. The theme park will be <laughs> it's awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Be people on stilts walking around yes. as Navi. I'm sure yep. of it. As long as Sigourney Weaver narrates, I'm there. I just feel like it's all going to be like blacklit. It's basically, I'm picturing like a gay nightclub. It's just going to be blacklit, like glow in the dark. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. You name it. Um, Anything else on the uh, box office drives from 2016? Anyone? Colin? Mitch? Liz? It's just very it's it's interesting to me, and I mean I don't think this trend is going to stop. No, I and I, I think either. I mean I I'm pretty sure you are right. Like I think it's, this I think it was like this last year, but it it's it just it's interesting to know are major studios even now going to even risk an in like um an original story now? Well, I we mean, talked it, about it. It's, la- it's just what does this mean for the future of Holly, movies made in the Hollywood system. Right. Well, we talked about it last year. Like Tomorrowland was a film that was original from Disney, oh. and original meaning based on the theme park. I guess you can adapt a theme park, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> they did which they did with Pirates of the, of the Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Um, but you know that did relatively terrible for Disney, and it was um, a terrible movie, and it wasn't good. But yeah. you know, <laughs> it, but it's it's was it which one was it? I mean, you know, are kids less likely to enjoy Tomorrowland than they are Utopia or Zootopia? I mean, I guess, but. That was a pretty animated movie. I mean, it's it's mostly animated. Yeah, but it was really like boring and dark toward the end there. Yeah, and confusing. Um, I wonder. I, I don't know where. I don't know where the. Uh, this will segue into La La Land, but I don't know where we're gonna go here with with Hollywood and big studios and remakes and sequels and reboots and and franchises and you know emoji movies and all that stuff. Oh. But <laughs> I uh, yeah, I look at two. I mean, I well. This will just segue right into it. I look at two TV shows and movies from this year that 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 grasp on the same reason that people are going to see the, these movies um, and had relative success with it, and that's Stranger Things and La La Land, which almost are they they could be remakes of older movies, but they're original. Even Westworld. Um, yeah, even Westworld. Yeah, yeah. adaptation of right. it movie um where they're kind of like they are original but they're not it's, it's it's still feeding on all nostalgia um and i think if you're gonna see any original movie that has this kind of box office uh 
top 10 draw, it's going to be a movie like that. Um, like if you were to do Stranger Things as a feature, right? It's basically E.T., but it's darker and it takes place in the 80s, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, let, with that being said, let's get to La La Land, guys. Our movie of the week, shall we? Yeah. Shall we? La La Land, the musical from Damien Chazelle, director of Whiplash. Um, and we should mention Justin Hurwitz, who also did the music for Whiplash, does the music for La La Land. Um, I, as a musical, I think that's a, that's a, we should give him uh, top billing. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, uh, movie about two people trying to make it in La La Land, Los Angeles, where Liz lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that. <laughs> um, I get out of my car during traffic jams and start <laughs> dancing. You've got the time. So. <laughs> I would say this. I would say. I would say critically in the critical community because it's really not killing it at the box office, and it, it almost is like that. Like they're not trying to. It's not killing it. It's doing really? well for People a musical. It. It's doing well for a thirty million dollar movie. Yeah. But but I'm just saying, and it's making its money back. I'm just saying, it's not. It's not. We're not in that time. I feel like they're not. I don't know. It's no Chicago. It's it's, no hairspray. It's it's weird. I don't think they want it to be like that. No, I don't think they either. But I'm I'm saying in the. Look at the top 10 that we just went over. Oh, yeah. No, I understand. But they didn't do that with Whiplash either, right? They didn't promote the hell out of it. They just kind of let it run on its own. Right. And we were in a packed theater two weeks after the release or a week after the release or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying it's not doing well. I'm just saying that my point is more than. The general populace, I think, in the Oscar buildup and all all the critical community, it's been really, really anticipated. Like like one of the biggest anticipated films of the year because it's a Whiplash director's next movie, and just because it's a musical, it's a quote unquote original musical, um, and it's here. And I was one who loved Whiplash, and I was really, really excited to see this film. Um, let's go around and do our first reactions and thoughts to the film. Colin, uh, La La Land, what did you think when you saw it? Um. I, I La La Land. I mean, it was one of my definitely one of my most anticipated movies of the year, and Whiplash being my favorite movie of twenty fourteen. Oh, yeah, yeah. twenty fourteen. Um, going into it with a lot of high expectations and um, hearing all the critical stuff too, going uh, in with high expectations too. I, I think there's a lot that I like about this movie. There is also a lot that I really don't like about this movie, um, which we will get into. But I mean, I think it's. Um, really cute and I think it's really charming um, the lighting is beautiful the score is amazing a lot of technical stuff I really enjoy about this movie um, it's not perfect but um, it's one of the better things I've seen this year I don't know if it will crack my top 10 but I, I, I enjoyed watching it um, I'll go next because just I'll piggyback off that I mean I, I loved the film it was super entertaining I want to see it again um, Whiplash was probably my favorite movie in the last half decade, like one of my favorite movies. And I watched it recently to build up to this film. And it's, it's, I, there's nothing I can say about Whiplash that's like as a script, as editing. I mean, there's some other, I don't, you can, you can nitpick what it means to be a drummer and what it, what it says about jazz music, which is really nothing. But, um, as a movie, as a film structure, it's perfect. Um, I don't think La La Land was as perfect, and that's the only thing. You know, I'm nitpicking because Whiplash was so good on a lower budget and you know lower expectations. Um, but I did love this film, and I can't wait to talk about. It. I think a lot of the flaws that I will put in finger quotes, I think are more just um, interesting things to bring up rather than like 
you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're choices, they're filmmaker choices that I didn't, that didn't entertain me as well, really, is what it comes down to. Mitch? Um, yeah, this is one of my most anticipated because I also loved Whiplash. It wasn't my top of the year in 2014, but it was in my top three or four. Um, I was really excited after seeing the first trailer for it and just excited to see an original musical and seeing the camera movements in the trailer, the lighting, even the music in the trailer. I was just like, oh, I cannot wait. Um, I now that I kind of go with you guys, it's not the, the like best film made this year, but I think it might be one of my favorites just on pure uh, emotion and yeah. like involvement with the story and just you know getting swept up and how magical like the each scene and each um, moment in the film is um, so I I really liked it I've seen it twice already um, and I've been recommending it to everyone um, so yeah I guess we'll get into like the flaws some people mo- most people seem to have the flaw that it's boring in the middle um, but I didn't think so so we'll we'll talk about it I guess Liz, what were you, what did you think? I loved it. <laughs> you knew I was going to say that, but um I mean, the more I think about it, I I know that there are things to n- comment on, nitpick at, but there's something about it for me that I almost don't even want to criticize it because I mean, I will, but it just made me feel good. I don't know. It it when it ended, it kind of felt like how I felt after I saw Midnight in Paris. I don't really know why. Just the whimsical fantasy kind of aspect. It just makes you smile the whole time. Um, nostalgia. I mean, honestly, it, it has that nostalgia factor, too, yeah. I think, of Midnight in Paris. It just, I don't know. I just, it just was so enjoyable to me. And um, I also liked that I'm just so excited about Damien Chazelle. I mean, yes, Whiplash. I can't think of a better movie that I've seen any time recently. Um but this, there are parts of it that are so distinctly him, but it's also so different. It's cool seeing a director do something that different from his first movie. Or that was his first big movie, right? Yeah, that was his yeah. first directed feature. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and so you've got this, all this hype surrounding this new director. I feel like usually you see the second movie by them and you're like, oh, that was the first movie he did. But it was so different. I don't know. I thought, at least. And I think that's really exciting about him. He, he can do all sorts of things. Yeah, well, let's let's segue into that. I mean, let's just talk about Damien Chazelle's sophomore directed, direct, directed movie here. Because we did actually see a dream. We, he wrote a bit of uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. So this is actually oh, the yeah. second Damien Chazelle screenplay we've seen this year. Strange. Um, which is yeah, which is you talk about doing something different. I don't know, you didn't see that. I didn't see it. But that's a, that's like off the beaten path as far as we we know. It's you know not about jazz. Um, <laughs> okay, there was a lot of jazz. I'll give him that. He clearly likes well, jazz. Well, let's start. With, let's start. <laughs> yeah. with, what do, what do we think as a group was really similar about La La Land to Whiplash? Well, it's about um, deciding kind of your career versus your personal life. I mean, there's For a sure. lot, of, yeah. I mean, your dream. Well, that's I think, pretty distinctly similar, right? I almost thought I, know I said this to you, Liz. But that se- there's that one scene in Whiplash where he tells his girlfriend, "Look, my dream is more important than you." Mm-hmm. I feel like that they kind of like made that a movie, and I don't think that that either of these characters are that blunt about it in this film. But that's kind of what it's about, right? It's about balancing 
balancing a life and balancing a dream. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Um, the, what about like? Th- yeah. I was gonna say that. Ca- I mean, character male characters are were very similar. I mean, both dream dreaming of a jazz career, and they're both purists in jazz. Um, and we'll kind of stop at nothing. They're also kind of mean <laughs> to mean about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mean to their significant others. Yeah. That scene in Whiplash is kind of uh, shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, not like shitty for the characters, but um, yeah. It, I, I, as much as I liked every, a lot of things about La La Land, it would be nice to see Sh- Damien Chazelle move away from like this jazz motif. I want to see what else he can do, you know? So, um, what about like with the camera and editing and stuff like that? Yeah, that, that's what I was uh, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned. The way that the camera dances in both of uh, Whiplash and um, this felt very similar, which I like. I like that uh, very active yeah. camera, um, in where it works for both of the movies. So I, I like that. I notice that and I appreciate that. I like seeing. I do also just like like I told Liz too that like if you didn't tell me who directed this movie, I would guess it after seeing it because the way I mean he does this thing he does this he does this like requiem for a dream thing where he gets like he'll he'll have like five really quick close-ups of people doing things and then it'll start the scene like instead of an establishing shot it's someone pouring coffee someone sipping coffee someone giving money and then oh we're in a coffee shop he did the same thing in whiplash Mm -hmm. there's also a scene in the movie that's like from a camera standpoint is like there's a scene where there's this montage and um uh, the summer one, right? Yeah, Ryan Gosling is is playing the piano, and then it shows Emma Stone dancing to it, and it and it pans, pans. quickly back yeah. and forth to him, just like J.K. Simmons does to Miles Teller mm-hmm. at the end of Whiplash, where he's doing this thing, and then the drum stuff, and then he's pointing at them, and then the drum stuff, like really, like it's one shot, but I shot for it. shot, the same thing, which was really cool. It was fun to see that similarities. What was different? What did What did you guys think with like Liz? What did you think? Was I just different? thought the the tone was different. Um, it's just happier in general. Right. It, yeah. <laughs> it's just a hell of a lot happier and more whimsical. Even when it's sad. Even when it's sad, it's more, you know, it, it's a rom-com kind of sad versus a uh, Jesus that's really kind of disturbing Dark. sad. <laughs> because Whiplash is a little more hopeful. Whiplash yeah. kind of plays like a horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like a thriller. It plays like a Hitchcock thriller rather than like yeah. a Stanley Donnan musical. Um. And also, uh, in La La Land, um, the female character uh, ends up exhibiting the same... She goes after her dream 100% and leaves behind her personal life um, in a way... Like, you know, the the girlfriend in Whiplash doesn't have that happen. She kind of gets forgotten about... I mean, she moves on. She gets a boyfriend, whatever, but... She's not a Emma Stone is kind of flips to be the one who you almost feel worse for Ryan Gosling at the end. Right. Which this is another good segue. I think that, well, well, one of the, I mean, I kind of against your point a little bit. And I think that like the one thing about whiplash is like, there was no female characters. There was that Mm -hmm. one, not only that, but like his 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 mom like left him. Miles Teller's mom like left him as a young boy. Like the, it, it it didn't seem anti women, but like anytime there was a female character in the film, they were kind of inhibiting. Yeah, Miles Teller yeah. standing in his way. And I I in a way I thought in this film, I, I guess let's, this is just like a character discussion. I thought it, one thing that really bothered me was 
the fact that Emma Stone's character had this boyfriend in the beginning of the film and that she's basically cheating on someone. Like, I didn't know why that had to be in there. I would have, you know, there's this scene where she's at dinner with her other boyfriend and then decides to go see Ryan Gosling and leave him. I, I, that would have been cooler or better for me from a character standpoint if, like, she left an audition. I guess it does kind of make her a little bit unlikable. Cause, cause it her, <laughs> you it forget her about seem it, but shitty. Yeah, yeah. Like, why they've only the... been dating for a month, though, as she says. Yeah, but why do you? Why is he the was girl super the... boring? Yeah. and he wasn't Ryan <laughs> yeah. Gosling. I mean, sometimes you got to make a choice. Is this the path you want to go down? And I think the listening to the jazz coming out of the speaker, so that everyone's talking over, reminds her like, "Wow, this is boring. Like, mm-hmm. This is not." the life I want to live. Like I'd rather be with exciting Ryan Gosling guy. <laughs> I guess so, it's more on the like, heels I, of whiplash where again, this female character is trying, is inhibiting <clears throat> the male. I don't know. Like it, it just seemed to me for, it was like one. Okay. With their relationship to me, I mean, we, I know we've, we've seen Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling in movies before and they, right. I, I know they can have good chemistry and I don't know if this was a directorial choice or how it was played out in the screenplay, to me, those characters seemed more like they're friends. I never got the love between them. And I would have preferred if the movie kind of treated them as friends because going out now off of this point of um, their relationship, I, 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 I just don't see why... Emma Stone's character felt the need that she had to be with someone romantically in order to gain her next level. Mm-hmm. I can understand, like, you know, he brings out the artist in me. Like, I, I, I get that. That's fine. But, like, a friend can also bring out the artistry in you. And I just, I never got that connection of love between them. I got a lot more, like, playfulness, like, brother-sister type of relationship between them than I got lovers you know, destined for each other or not destined for each other. Right. But um, so that that was one of the things that I, I didn't connect with me. I mean, I think they're both really good actors. To me, their chemistry seemed a little misguided maybe here. Well, it would have been, I mean, it just, it just uh, it would have been interesting if, if they didn't ever kiss or anything. Like that would have been really interesting. If you, can you do a musical like this and there's not a yeah, love story? Talk about breaking, you know, social right, norms right. of Hollywood yeah. musicals. Like that would, that would yeah. be an interesting musical. Well, you know, and I hadn't thought about it until you said that just now. I I thought they had good chemistry, but now that you mention it, I I think that helps at the end. Maybe you're not supposed to want them to be together in the end. Right. Maybe it's not as sad as we think it is. Maybe they are just friends who helped each other. I know. I, I think I, that I, maybe is more of what it is. Yeah, that's I mean that's kind of like how I I know the movie kind of wants you to be like their Right. Love. And then there was a gasp in the, right. in the theater when she when kisses like, another man. Exactly. And I'm just like, well, to me, that they never got to that point anyway with me. So. Right. I thought, see, I, I thought their relationship was just like a, because it only lasts about a year, maybe less, was such a um, like boost of creative, you know, energy that they loved like playing off of each other and they felt, you know, the inspiration from each other that they that was what they wanted at the time and you know it doesn't work out because well spoilers uh (laughs) it doesn't work out because they just have different you know it's time to move on at a certain point you've got you've figured out what you want and 
And I also, there's a lot to do with communication in this movie that they do not like directly communicate what they want with like from each other. I think mm-hmm. that's a thing. Like they're so focused on their careers that they are, their relationships are mostly like a friendship before it's like a total committed relationship with each other, um, which is sad. Yeah. I guess maybe they're, maybe they're, maybe they're not, maybe well, you're not supposed to see that they really yeah. have anything there. <laughs> and you think yeah. about musicals in general, I mean, isn't the whole thing generally that, you know, there's a big, wedding at the end or something you know the, or there's they get together that's how i would you agree that most yeah, musicals right. are there's something so i think yes. in that sense they do kind of break that and it's not it's not tragic i don't know uh, yeah i i going off the, i mean I, from discussing now you might be able to tell my biggest gripes about this movie is story and the especially the characters um I, I, I like the idea of us getting, you know, them getting together to like create like a next level of artists. And this was a big problem with me that stuck out throughout the whole entirety of the movie. I mean, we get Gosling's Sebastian character. Um, sorry, this might be a little long, but um, he we see him making a living as a musician. He plays in clubs. He's with a band. Um, we kind of had like a past story where like he was sort of successful could have been more famous or successful yeah. um he got screwed by somebody yeah, yeah. We, don't we get a lot of um his characters we get a lot of seeing him actively playing the piano so i felt like um the musical style a suited for him more cross that with emma stone's character which we get audition scenes here and there to me it never felt balanced as far as the art goes I feel like we got a lot more of Ryan Gosling's art in this world, and we, the whole, and the whole point, like not the whole point, but like the major middle of this movie is Emma Stone's character, that Ryan Gosling awoken something in her now, now that she can write as something that speaks to her, and then we never fucking see what she writes, we never hear right. what she writes, we get a, we get her rehearsing it, but it's like it's just a quick cut. And Ryan Gosling just goes, it's amazing. But we never right. know what she writes. And then we get, when it comes time to perform, like the climax of the movie almost, she walks on stage and we cut back to Ryan Gosling and then cut back to Emma Stone and it's you see who's in the audience. You never once get to see her art and where what she is as an actress, except for this opening scene, but it's, you know she's kind of interrupted. And then we get the last scene with her audition where she starts to sing her audition, which to me, like she never was a singer. So why is she having this big sing? Like I get that it's a musical, but right. we just, I mean, that, yeah. we just you, had 40 minutes of no right. musical numbers. And now we all of a sudden, Oh wait, we are in a fucking musical. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, that. To, to that, to that point, so this is what I mean with like, I, I guess I was asking Liz and we're trying to figure like, I feel like you are supposed to feel worse for one of these people at the end of the movie than the other. And I also think that, there is this little like, and I hate this word. I really do. I think it's eye rolly, but like mansplaining of jazz from Ryan Gosling to Emma Stone in the movie, where like that's the other thing. I wish I wish I get he's inspiring her and all this shit. I wish she didn't. I wish she liked jazz in the beginning of the movie. Like I don't. I I kind of hated the scene where he's explained to her like you're dumb for not liking jazz. It's almost what it seemed like. Not only that, but. But there's this there's this conversation they have where she's where he's like, 
he's like, what, you just want fame and success and you want people to, to, to give you attention? And he's like, you're an actress. What are you talking about? Where, and it's almost like acting is silly. Jazz is real art. Mm-hmm. Right, you're in acting to be famous. I'm in jazz to own a, a club in a basement, and just be pure. And I don't agree with that. But that's why he's kind of a jerk, right? I mean, yeah, until I mean, he, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I work. I think he's a jerk. I don't know. I if, think he's supposed. I don't know to be if they're framing the movie for him to be a jerk. I guess I didn't. See well, it he that comes way. off as a jerk in that dinner scene. I mean, I think that dinner scene ends, and you feel bad for her. Stone. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Because he's being a jerk, and that's the scene that I think saved the movie. For and me. then like, he hel- then he goes out of his way to help her with her career, so I think that's his. That's true. Well, it's all uh, I go back to the communication thing. He is he is under the impression that he needs to be in this band to make her happy, instead of like because he overhears her talking right. to her mom about like not making any money and everything. So she, he thinks he needs to be in this band and. I mean, he looks bored in the band. You know, when they're at that concert scene, he's got one hand in his pocket. And it's just not his style of music, but, you know, he's doing it for her. At least he thinks he's doing it for her. But they just, they never communicate that to each other. And then she tells him, basically, you don't seem happy doing that. Like, she kind of flips it on him. She kind of flips it on him. I know, but that's really frustrating. He's like, yeah, Yeah. but, like, I'm also, like, paying my fucking rent. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, not this every not wanted. every artist like you're a fucking barista. That's that's <laughs> how you're paying money. I'm making I'm paying my bills by doing the side band gig. So like, right. But I, then I, they don't get to see each other I, anymore. I, I did. <laughs> Which is frustrating to me because like that's they shouldn't be in a relationship. It's just it well, should okay, be. You a, know what I think, but I think maybe, maybe that's probably the point of the film that maybe I didn't get the first time through, but that. They aren't. They shouldn't. They're not really good for each other. No. They're there to inspire each other, and then, you know, it falls apart because it just does. It, that's how it works sometimes. I don't know. But I just wish that the film, for me, and I, I don't want to persuade anyone's opinion either way. For me, I just wish that the film would have had the balls to just portray it as that then, as two friends, and did not have to kind of, like, get a relationship thing mm. in there. Like that would be yeah, so agree. different to I me agree. if if uh, it was a movie musical that didn't revolve around the relationship. I, I agree, but I think the whole ending part, which I think like Whiplash makes the rest of the movie so much better. Um, you don't get that if they're friends. Yeah, you, you don't get that, that emotional gravitas of like what, which I love about the film, which is like you actually they don't get together, but you do get to see their life together, mm-hmm. which is really a cool concept. Yeah, that was great. Really cool concept. Yeah. Um, but like that's the only thing is like you don't you can't have that. You're not gonna have gasps in the theater if yeah. she kisses another guy if they never were romantically involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess I get, I mean, they didn't have the quote unquote balls to do it, but at the same time, like it made for a more powerful ending probably. And the thing about the mansplaining part, I think, I think that scene serves its purpose mostly to, for the audience, her, well for the audience and for her character to see how passionate he is about something, which is inspiring. That's what That's I was what saying, saying to Kale yeah. is the whole thing of she's so amazed by someone being passionate about something. I yeah. think she says that. She probably does. There's yeah. a line where she says something like yeah. that. And then uh, the, that argument at the end, which is a really great scene. It Most scenes in the movie of them two together are one shot. Like it's, there's mm-hmm. not much cutting back and forth. It's just them together 
uh, in the same frame, but this scene they're separated and they're arguing over jazz music playing from a speaker, like which he talks about like jazz isn't supposed to be <laughs> talked about through, you know, or talked over. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be listened to and experienced. Right. And then so, it and then the, the just shows the how much they've changed. Yeah. I love that part. And it just shows how much has changed between them, which was sad. You do get the sense that and Kayla's saying this that Damien Chazelle has been hurt by someone who doesn't like jazz. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Or has hurt someone. It's, it's not right. Or yeah. he's using jazz to explain that he left someone to pursue his career or something. Or maybe for Phil. Like, I, I, I right. want to know more right. about him. I do like, too. Uh, I mean, that's clearly something there's, going on yeah, there. Yeah, there's a theme here about dreams over relationships yes. specifically in both of these movies. Mm-hmm. I think to. The reason that especially Hollywood is going so crazy over this movie is, and like most people I know like it, have mixed feelings, but I think I get the sense that a lot of people in Los Angeles love it. And I think part of that is, and we can relate to this a little, is the, so everyone out there is trying to pursue their career at the expense of their personal life. Yeah. And I think everyone there can relate to that Mm -hmm. and i mean we're in a long distance relationship doing pursuing things separately and it's the kind of thing where you want each other to succeed but then you get selfish about wait but like i thought you were gonna be here forever (laughs) and like that kind of thing (laughs) so i think everyone there can relate to that so deeply yeah and i think also reversely i think some people don't like the movie because like we were we were t- I mean like her friends in the apartment in the beginning there's someone in the crowd song which I love that whole sequence but you know I think all of us in this room know people yeah. that like aspiring actresses. I'm gonna go to LA <laughs> not and I'm you know not just women but just funnier to talk like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to LA and be famous and yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to all the parties and make sure that at some point I'm gonna yeah. meet someone who's gonna give me a shot Name droppers. Name droppers, yeah. Yeah, I think the movie specifically appeals to people who are familiar with or are in the entertainment industry or who have a dream, you know? Um, Yeah. I think at the end here, we'll ask if it's pro or anti La La Land, but we had to choose. Do you have to get going, Mitch? It's. I'll be fine. 502. I'll be fine. Okay. Just, yeah, start to wrap it up. All right. Um. Um, as a musical, what did what did you think? I mean, Go ahead, Colin. Colin you like, but you like on the record multiple times. I correct me if I'm wrong. Said so you don't really care for musical movies. I don't. I love musicals. I don't like musicals. Right. Movies. Like you like stage musicals, yeah. not movies. Yeah. All that being said, what did you think of this? Here's as the a thing. Musical? I like. I guess I should rephrase this. I like a movie musical that is aware that it's a movie musical. I like um, when a Hollywood musical is campy. It's loud. It's funny. Like, like Chicago, like a Chicago. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't want a serious like musical like Into the Woods. I mean, which is Ugh, technically like a it. fucking hilarious on stage. Should be, right? and it's awful in so theaters. So awful. <laughs> well, that being said, I mean, there is no business for this being a musical, in my opinion. It didn't. It didn't add <gasps> anything to it, rather than it being like I'm a musical. Well, I, and uh, let me yeah. defend this yeah, point yeah, first. Yeah. We get an amazing opening number, mm-hmm. high yes. energy, dancing, 
bright colors, which bright colors continue throughout the movie. It's very theatrical. It's theatrical. It's over the top. It's whimsy. And it's all set in a modern LA environment. I love it. I'm into it. I'm into it. We never get that energy or that yeah. that musical moment ever again in this movie. Maybe the montage at the end, though, right? That, that's the, the only other time. The that's I'll, the only other time, but also, that comes after a period of right. a lot of no. It's basically right. between that. the sunset, uh, beautiful night, or a lovely night, whatever song, and and then and then there's like there's like ninety minutes of the movie, and then the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where there's like not really a musical number. Yeah. There's music, but there's no yeah. musical number. It's, it's singing a music. Mu- it's a music movie. It's not a musical to me. Um, I th- I'm I'm biased because I freaking love musicals. I've, I've said that I want this movie to succeed so that Hollywood would go like, we we and it's succeeding. So we can make an original musical. <laughs> so I, I'm biased, and I want mm-hmm. it to be a musical. I want I mean, that to happen too. Mitch, do you think it the, there's a function for it being a musical in this movie? Yeah, I, I mean I do. Is. But what do you think? I think there is. Um, there, I forget the author's name, but he, somebody wrote an amazing article in Variety. That I haven't shared. read it. You sent it to. Me. Yeah. I want to read it. Um, that's about like it's not a traditional musical in that it's not musical numbers all the way through to tell the story. It's it's the beginning and the end, and both of those sections of the film, and like the summer montage and the planetarium scene as well. The, I think that's I would say that's where it kind of ends like and mm-hmm. we then are less there's less music um, but those scenes in particular are very fantastical and like magical and it's the beginning of the relationship and then at the end when you know she sings her um, heart out basically I dreamed a dream so yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she sings her heart out that is when it then becomes like what they've refound their inspiration with each other and that, then that's interesting. Yeah, yeah so like the begin, the middle where there isn't much singing their relationships kind of falling apart because fucking john legend shows up <laughs> and he puts we've all been screwed over by john legend <laughs> by the way i love this i actually like the song that he sang except for ryan gosling's part yeah like mm-hmm. if you took the keyboards out of that song it's so much better yeah um so that that was my thing i it goes totally with I think where Damien Chazelle wants the film, where he wants the film to go, and he wants mm-hmm. you to feel down. Like maybe this isn't. Man, where's, where's the fun song? Yeah, fun where's stuff. the fun? Like you know, and that's the reality of that's it. A good point. It doesn't get fun. Relationships can lose their fun. I get that, but then why is everyone being like, "Oh, this is all old Hollywood movie musicals"? Like, because when it is, again, it is. Yeah, it is for the two th- scenes that it is. I, I, I maybe I have more so a problem with like yeah. everyone saying like this is like an homage to all the great Hollywood musicals and it is for a little bit but like all those movies are really fun and campy. If it, yeah, if it really was, then they would have twenty tap numbers and big, yeah. glamorous. Yeah. And, it, and, scenes. It, and, it, and it's not that it's no. it is something different, and I respect that. Yeah, I think we just need to accept as a group that it's not the traditional musical. It is what it is. It's something different. It's mm-hmm. it's a movie with musical numbers, essentially. I don't know. Right. I and like I, and that I, though. And I, Mitch, to that to that segmented artistic reasoning for for the lack of songs in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and even to your guys's point on that, it's not a classic Hollywood musical. Um, and I don't. I'm not one that like intent means everything. But I would. I would bet that. The fact that there's really four songs in this movie, 
more has to do with the fact that they don't think an audience wants to sit through a musical of 12 songs mm-hmm. like back in the day. Maybe. In the, in the same way that Whiplash is a watered-down version of what it really means to be an elite jazz musician, this is a watered-down version of what it means to be an old Hollywood film because because it, they want this film to succeed, and most people don't want to sit through Singing in the Rain, That's I true. think, um, where Maybe. they will do 10 minutes of tapping. Right. I would um, recommend it to people I know who don't like musicals. Exactly right, like I, I mean, a lot it's of songs. Right, it's like, and a lot of people, and it's and it's even the the highway scene is like really contemporary dancing. Yes, um, that I think everyone can appreciate. It's not ta- like tap dancing. I think some people just don't care for. I love it. Um, I love. I think it's, it's, it's so, so impressive. impressive. <laughs> it's so impressive. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. That's what I think. I think I, I think also the style of dance and singing like they're not perfect. It's not like the old yes. days where like it's clearly not this person singing. Or like in yes. West Side Story, only one of the actors actually, actually sings. Actually right. sings. Yeah. Um, it's all it's dubbed all, over. Yeah, it's all singing in the rain. That's right. the whole that whole movie's about how you could fake out. It's amazing. Anyways. Yeah, but it's also the style of song. I think the reason it works so well for today's audiences that they're not hokey musical song musicals are inherently hokey like they i mean i love it you have to love it you have to just shut off part of your brain that goes this is so goofy and you have to just go with it yes but the reason this works for a larger audience is that they're songs that you would probably just listen to and not be embarrassed by (laughs) no i have i've been listening to the soundtrack yes no i can't shut up about singing it um, to the point of, is it does is there a function for this for it being a musical? I mean, look, I, I think I'm not just saying this. You know, it's very similar way to Rogue One that has a tragic ending for its genre um, that a lot of people didn't feel the weight of because they thought the characters weren't fully fleshed out. Rogue One uses action scenes at the expense of character dialogue and description, and this movie uses dance numbers at the expense of really going deep into the characters. Um, and I think me, I, I, you, you know, the scene at them, the, the scene with them at the planetarium, that's a seven minute scene where they're falling in love. I mean, you know, that I sounds like, a, that too. sounds like a cop out, <laughs> but like, that's where I find the romance in the movie. No, I, I, I agree with you there. And I, I, I love the dance sequences. I mean, I think if this movie had no singing in it and just dance, I would respond right. better I, I to can, it. I could definitely understand One, that. because like we said, there's not that many musical actual singing. Like Ryan Gosling, I think, only has one song. One and a half. He I doesn't. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah. he has one and a half. Yeah. Um, and uh, number two, they're not that great of singers. <laughs> I think she's, she's really, really. I think she's good. I, she I like good. his She can voice. carry a tune. She's not a Broadway singer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's I don't not mind a, it though. Like, it, it worked know? for like what the type yeah, the of authenticity music yeah. of it works for me. So. Uh, but I mean, I don't. I, there's a lot better singers out there. I think it feels more genuine to me when I like Ryan Gosling's voice. I think it sounds like it's him. It sounds like you really feel like. It's Ryan Gosling singing because it is, and it's it doesn't sound Got overtrained or, or yeah. it sounds. And you hear them le- like even when you listen to the track outside of the movie. City uh, of Stars. Or? Yeah, you hear her laughing. They laugh with each other during the track. It sounds a little unproduced. I kind of mm-hmm. like that. I think yeah, and it goes back to the heart of jazz or the heart of expression. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be you. So. 
That's yeah, I, nice. I, I, I mean, I, I understand that opinion and I, I, you know, I, I respect it. Just to me, it's like, I don't want to hear a musical where people don't really sing well. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, mean, Colin, I, I get it. I mean, like, you know, like, yeah. Look, it should be Lady Gaga and Seth MacFarlane in a musical. But I would watch good of actors, that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, that's that's exactly. the thing. It's exactly. like, so it's, but the, that's but part there's of tons old of ha- there's tons of people who are really great at both. I know, but, but they're also, not Ryan Gosling it, and Emma Stone, I, I, bankable celebrity. But they're so I, I funny believe, and charming. I, I really believe that with Debbie Reynolds has gone an era of Hollywood actors who can who are triple threats in mm-hmm. singing, acting, and dancing. Um, no one can do it like they used to do it. I don't know, and th- and that's just because, in in a similar way to like baseball, where like player people grow up and they specialize at a position, um, because they want to be the best at that position. You know, people don't multi. People aren't as multi talented as they were in every aspect of like life. Like a long snapper. Well, and I why mean, would seriously, you? Seriously, it's true. Like you will. I have yeah. I have a friend who who was. Really good at long snapping and play college, and like that's what you were get specific at. I mean, but, but, you know. Yeah, why would Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone be really good dancers Tap if dancer. they have never been asked to dance in a movie because right. there's no market for right. it? So, back in the day, everyone did musicals. I mean, Frank Sinatra did acting, you know, because I don't know, everyone did everything. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Mitch, you got to get going. Let's right. just uh, we'll go to you quick. Do you recommend it? Oh. Is it pro LA? And what is your video on demand recommendation? Okay. I get three I, things for you before you right. leave. I totally recommend it. It's super fun. The music is great. You'll be humming to it. And I don't understand why they're not pushing Another Day of Sun for the Oscars. They're pushing City of Stars. I Another yeah. Day of Sun really? is yeah. Another Day That's of surprising. Sun is so much better. It is. Um, and fun, and it just gets you so in the mood to watch that film. Um, the yeah, I totally, re- I highly recommend it, and it's beautiful. I was like choking up at the end when she walks into the the club and it says Sebs. I was like, oh my God, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's weird because we, you know, did Manchester by the Sea, which is sad as fuck and I didn't cry at all. Um, So, highly recommend it. It tugs at everything, tugs at your heartstrings. Um, I, the whole thing about love letter to LA, maybe it's more of a love letter to the actual authentic dreamers in LA it's not a love letter to the city and the majority of the city. She's interrupted in auditions. She's, um, the, the traffic is treated like crap. People treat her like shit at the coffee yeah. shop. People treat her like shit. Um, there's the, the line he says, like, that's the problem with LA. Um, what is it? We adore everything, but we value nothing. Um, and it's just not nice to about to the city, which I totally get because the city is unforgiving and can be really shitty. Um, so I wouldn't call it a love letter to L.A. as much as a love letter to creative people and the creative spirit. And I highly recommend this film. But um, uh, Before we get out of here, <laughs> what, what are you recommending this week? So on HBO, uh, Hail Caesar is available to watch. HBO Go, now, whatever. Uh, Coen Brothers film from earlier this year. I love it. It's very funny. I've seen it a few times now, and there's just there's a lot of... Lo- depth and levels to lines of dialogue and things going on in the film that I really like. Also and, about old time. Hollywood. And also about old time Hollywood and the cinematography in that really film. good design. Yeah. Too. The design, the cinematography in that film to make like certain scenes like from a movie that they've shot look like a movie that they shot is flawless. It mm-hmm. looks amazing. So highly recommend that as mm-hmm. well. Awesome. All right, since we have so much to talk about La La Land, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, and we'll, me, Liz, and Colin will, uh, Liz, Colin, and I 
we'll discuss more about uh, La La Land. Mitch, we will see you next week. Yes. One second. We'll be back. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to interrupt the show for a second to thank you all for a wonderful 2016. The Woodward's Filmcast definitely ended on a high note. December was far and away our biggest month ever. Can't thank you enough. Thanks for making that happen. As we enter 2017 and head toward 100 episodes, we continue to encourage you to email us your thoughts at woodwardsfilmcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you so we can make listener feedback a weekly segment of the show. I mean, frankly, how great does that sound? Less us, more you. And one last thing. It's a new year, so try something new. We're looking for bloggers. Bloggers who will blog anything. Film, music, Detroit stuff, or hell, if you've got a short story or something you want to get out there, email me at kaledavidoff at gmail.com. That's kale like the vegetable, david like the first name, and off like the bug spray at gmail.com. All right, great. Just want to get all that out there. Now let's get back to the show on La La Land. Um, just because just Mitch was just talking about it, let's just do this first. Especially Liz, you live there. Do you think this is like a is this like an ode to LA or is it just really? I think of, I agree a lot with what he said. Um, I think it reminded me of when Amelie came out. Everyone had, a, I mean, that was a very successful movie, but a lot of people in France found it bothersome that it was such a romanticized idea of a city that is not that actually that way Mm. you know they clean it up they make it look all beautiful and you know everyone's white and just that (laughs) kind of thing and people had a big problem with that despite its success um internationally but it it kind of reminded i think it could la la land could have gone down that route um, I think it works better though, because like Mitch was saying, it kind of, it points out the things about LA that are really shitty and yeah. that everyone there struggles with. And yeah, I mean, everyone besides them pretty much kind of sucks. <laughs> and I, what I will say about LA is everyone's a lot nicer than you think, but I can imagine that once you get higher up in studios and you're actually going to auditions, and of course I'm not part of that, but there are a lot of nasty people out there. And it's a really, really hard place to live and to be taken seriously when everyone else is trying to do the same thing as you. Um, so I think I think it, it is more of an ode to people who go out there and try to do it despite how difficult it is. Um, but I do enjoy, I, I really enjoyed seeing all these places that I, I am very familiar with in L.A., seeing them on camera in just a, a nice light. It made me a little, feel a little more positive about living there, and it kind of made me ex- a little more excited to go back, I think, because it's not always the easiest. Right. Colin? Um, I, you know, I, I'm kind of half half. I, I don't. I think when people say it's you know a love letter to Hollywood, I, I don't buy that. I, I I I I say it's much more of a um, love letter or homage to a style of filmmaking that we don't see mm-hmm. that Hollywood used to do. But as far as it being like 
you know a story that, that is like for LA, even though it's called La La Land. I, I I don't I don't see it as that as a love letter to it. Yeah, I don't, stylistically, I see it more as a a love letter to other types of cinema. Right, and I I agree with you guys, and I agree with Mitch, and I think that um, first of all, it it is a little. I mean, I loved that this showed a side of LA that I don't think you is normally represented in in, in films, but. Um, I'm also I am so sick of I think we've come so far as a as a as audience goers in an industry where like there's more on location shooting they go outside of the city so much and like you do things mm-hmm. all over the country and um, you know musicals are always Chicago New York LA Paris things like that and uh, man just once someone said a musical in Cleveland or something you know? like, <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm serious like I, it just it's there so is a musical number in 30 rack about fleeing to the cleave <laughs> um, but that being said yes it's more about the dream and I it was inspiring that way it's more about the la la land fantasy yeah. um, and I loved you know the, the way I kind of saw it was like whiplash is about if you want to fucking do something, go out and do it. And in a way for me, that was making this website and this podcast and doing uh, new money, the, the film I produced last year. And since then I've kind of had, you know, I, you go through a little self doubt about things you're creating. Um, and this film is like, it's like a, it's a good, I felt like it was like, look, you got to go out there and just do it. Cause someone in the crowd might be there who could give you opportunity. Um, or, you know, all the hard work you put into something might lead to somewhere good. And I think it's an ode to, to people that will just go out and do things. I just say that because it, it made me feel like it made me feel better. I thought it was inspiring. <laughs> About some things that I've, I'm doing with my life. Yeah. But I think, too, that the title says a lot about the intention. Um, because, well, at least to me. La La Land, I mean, would you agree that it's kind of about, it's kind of poking fun at Hollywood? It is. It is. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bubble. It's people being like, oh, I'm going to be famous. It's so glamorous. Right. And it's about being disillusioned and stuff. Um, so I think, and I think that says a lot about what he is trying to say about Hollywood. That yeah, it's not as whimsical and dreamlike and all that as we think i absolutely agree with you but don't you then think that the last act kind of undermines everything that he was trying to say right i I think it's a little convoluted it is yeah in that sense i mean then at the end we get like she's now the actress because is she happy i don't know she absolutely is she is though we we want to assume that she's not we want her to be miserable but she goes home and she sees her kid and she's happy and she loves her husband and he's great. So I don't, I mean, I think, again, maybe why we aren't supposed to be sad about the way they end up is because she's not unhappy. No. I don't I think, don't think he's unhappy. I don't, no, they both got exactly their dreams. Yeah. And then they realize, you know, they helped each other on, the, on that mm-hmm. path at the very end. Of but course. I'm just saying, it, I think he... Throughout the movie, I mean, and, and in the title, we get like kind of like these, you know, sarcastic um, poking fun at Hollywood. And then at the very end, it kind of just reaffirms all those mm-hmm. things. My friend told me that his mother thought that the ending musical number meant that they realized that they were both in a movie uh, the whole time, which I think my friend was kind of poking fun at his mom. But I, <laughs> and I don't think that, that that's a literal 
intent of that last scene. But I kind of also do think that that whole last scene of them seeing or her, I guess, maybe seeing their lives together through a musical number was kind of like that's what that's what a movie fantasy life yes. version of this would be. And then this is the realistic ending. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. I, yeah. I think that's probably the point. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe they are, they're happy in both. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around whether or not the message is convoluted. And I guess it probably is a little bit. But at the ex- I think they do that for a powerful ending. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you got to show off everything that he can do with the camera. Right. right. Hello. But also, I mean, don't you kind of, this might be stupid, but don't you kind of feel like everyone who is interested in movies and interested in, well, just art of any kind, they see their lives in that way, kind of as a movie? Yes, I do. I think that's a little bit mm-hmm. for those people, too. You for know? the dreamers? The dreamers. Here's to the dreamers. <laughs> that's what she says. So, really, that's what it's about, I think. Yeah, I, I mean... And I mean, I like that because I, I like to think of myself as like, you know, someone who has more of an artistic, you know, like sensibility to them. I, I think a lot of people will be turned off by that. Like me as someone like who is like as much as like a pretentious bitch as I <laughs> am. I'm halfway through this movie. I go, this movie fucking loves itself. I think it's yeah. a super pretentious movie. And I, I mean, I don't mind that because I'm pretty pretentious myself. I can, <laughs> I can see how though. How a lot of people watching this um, in between L.A. and New York can watch this like, and be okay, like, yeah. okay, we've seen yeah. this a thousand times before. You know what's interesting, though? It made me think of Birdman, um, and I hated Birdman um, for that reason. Yeah, me too. I thought it was me so too. far up its own. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing It's Birdman. just... And it was completely unrelatable to anyone who's basically not an actor in Hollywood or New York. Right. Um, and it was so pretentious, in my opinion. I don't, I can't pinpoint why this was different for me. You're charismatic leading leading people, I think. No, I, I, I have a lot that's my answer, yeah. yeah. And, and younger helps, yeah. I think. Younger and not, well, not glamorizing <laughs> being crazy, you know? I forgot. What about Emma Stone? And she's in Birdman. She's I know. Too. I forgot about that. I know. I, I can't pinpoint what feels more relatable to me. Maybe it's just that now I'm living in, in LA <laughs> and I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but it, I don't know. I think part of it is too is that they're not both actors and that. Um, and they're not like crazy, but it's cool because it's cool to be crazy when you're an actor. Right. Kind of she's thing. not like, yeah. She turns into Birdman at the end of the movie, and then you start to hate her. Wouldn't it be great if she turned into a bird at the end and flew away? <laughs> About those charismatic leading uh, two actors in this film, Colin, what did you think of them? Is Emma Stone going to get an Oscar? Is it wrong for me to not even bring up Ryan Gosling? I mean, to, for me, I think they both do a good job with the characters that they were giving. I mean, like I said earlier, I think the characters and the story are what really bogged this movie down for me as far as being super stock one dimensional characters. Um, I think they both do a good job with what they were given. I don't think it's anything, you know, I don't think any of them are doing anything groundbreaking here. I think a lot of actresses can do what Emma Stone did, especially since I found her singing 
less underwhelming than, or what was found it more underwhelming than uh, some might have. But um, I mean, they're they're both good in it. They're both really charming in it. But I, I, I if any of them win an Oscar for this movie, well, I, I would be. Very shocked. You would be shocked. I mean, do you think I she's mean, going to be nominated? I think she's going to win. I think she's going to win. That doesn't think, mean I think she it would should. Be do you think one she's going to be nominated? One of the most undeserved Oscars in history. Well, did you think that Anne Hathaway should have won for Les Mis? I because I was on board with that. Personally. I forget who was else was nominated remember. that year. Um, but it's that character had so much more depth to it, even though she yeah, wasn't was on like screen. I two mean, two minutes, but it was great. Yeah, um, I mean, she's a fucking hooker who gets her head yeah. shaved and you know, <laughs> like catches tuberculosis. Yeah. Like that's a tragic character. Yeah. This was, oh, I'm an actress. <laughs> but she, her her actual acting, her singing was good. I thought she was. I thought she did really well. It didn't blow my mind, but you know, it wasn't. Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer Hudson. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think she should have won an Oscar, but for singing, sure. Yes. Um, but I thought her acting in it was great. But I mean, it's no different than any other movies she's done. She's always kind yeah. of been the quirky. Bee. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird because like I walked out of that movie being like, "Wow, Emma Stone is going to get nominated for an Oscar," but I thought Ryan Gosling was so much better, and I thought that. In terms of entertain, like, I don't mean this to, to, to knock her at all, but every time Ryan Gosling had a scene, She's I was way great. more entertained than when Emma Stone had a scene. Yeah. Because really, I think he's funny. I think he's really funny. And like you're saying, she's not... I think she's a good singer, but she's not knocking your socks off like Jennifer Hudson. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hers... I don't know. There's, he excels at being hilarious when he's funny in this movie. She doesn't really. She excels at crying. A couple yeah, times. she does and a good job crying. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And, that, and that's why you're like, oh, Oscar. Yeah. And which sucks, but I'm just. I don't know. I, I thought he was really, really good in this movie. Just like I was surprised how well he was in Nice Guys at being physically funny. Even when he's dancing, I think he's hilarious. I don't know what it is. He's got this like he's kind of dim wittedness. He's of, got a. I think he is. No, I think I he's too. really Liz, special. Let's get your boner down. I'm he's putting my boner down, <laughs> not just looks. I think. I mean, I just think he's got such a, like a presence about him. He's got such a natural knack for comedy in really subtle places that don't even call for it necessarily. Right, and he's got this mix of suave and cool and conventional good-looking leading actor and a dim-wittedness about him Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is you don't normally see that with those kind of people kind of like it's almost like he's Jesse Eisenberg meets or like that kind of leading man Mm -hmm. meets George Clooney Mm -hmm. which is really he's coming he's for me because I don't watch a lot of his movies but he's coming into that this year where I haven't seen that in him before it's 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 funny I mean you say that Jesse Eisenberg thing and I that that just was like, oh yeah, that's it. Because I mean, to me, I thought he was good in the movie, but it seemed like he was like very bored the whole time. His face was kind of one expression the whole time. I mean, he did his job for that character I, I, again, I think. But like, I, 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 and he was charming, but I didn't think he leapt off the screen as you know as, as someone in a Hollywood musical would. Yeah, right. He right. seemed very, you know. 
the facially, he seemed very bored. His body was doing great work, I thought. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's a modern yes, take on a musical. I mean, we were, when we were watching Singing in the Rain stuff, Gene Kelly doesn't stop fucking smiling. I know. And I love yeah, that's it. That's a classic performance thing, too. That yeah. I wonder like, if they didn't keep smiling. ask keep. them to do that. It's like a dancer thing. They're like, smile, smile, smile. Like, you're always like... Right. They put Vaseline on their teeth to keep themselves smiling kind of thing. Yeah. So he doesn't have that, but I guess that's probably I would I would assume that's a direction thing. Probably, like, but it would have been goofy. Like, tone it I down think. a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, he can you know crack a smile every now and then. You need to see hurt. Kale. Have you seen this con, the Lars and the Real Girl? Yes. That I think he is phenomenal in that, mm-hmm. and that to me is like he should be in more things that are. Uh, have a wide range. Well, I just maybe his character just didn't have a wide enough range. No, it, no, which it I know you'll agree with. It definitely that. did. And, I, and we've talked off off mic about this, Liz. But I know you weren't crazy about it. But like, and everyone's talking up Ryan Reynolds as like the funniest thing ever in the world this year in Deadpool, which I agree, except for Ryan Gosling and Nice Guys. I think was the best comedic performance I've seen. Absolutely. Maybe this century. Maybe I'm going overboard here. But maybe this century and the term. <gasps> <laughs> It, it, which is which is sixteen years. Have you seen? Sorry, oh, I didn't, yeah. wait. I didn't mean century. I meant decade. But okay, <laughs> because no, I, I say that because of, I say that because of uh, anchor. <laughs> serious, I've thought this through. I think Anchorman to me is the funniest. You mean since two thousand? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm saying since two thousand ten. It's the best comedic performance I've seen. Okay, <laughs> since, since two thousand, since the so century. You meant- Six since or this- seven years, but you said a hundred. No, that would be the century. Would only be sixteen. Okay. The, the, in the century for me, it's 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 Will Ferrell and Anchorman. Um, but this decade, it's either MacGruber or uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling, I fucking great. love that movie. That I mean, awesome. to me, and I, I said this to Mitch before you guys got here. I think the nice guys. Sorry, off on a tangent here, is the best Hollywood-made movie of last year. Like one that was actually made like in a big studio and like put forth by a big studio. Right. You need mm-hmm. to like not moonlight, not that. Sort yeah, of, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um I lo- I love that. I oh god. That's that's a top 5 movie for me for sure from last year. Anyways, La La Land, Ryan Gosling. Um What else we got here? What else what, how are we doing? Um you can fix that in post. Yeah, you? we can always cut it down. That's a Hollywood saying. <laughs> I um I was listening to someone else's podcast, uh, the Slash. You were cast. what? I was listening <laughs> because I. It's been oh, a, this is like that scene where she kisses that other guy in the movie, <gasps> and everyone in the audience goes, "Oh, excuse me." I doesn't even. I saw La La Land way before you guys saw La La Land. When did you see it? I saw it the night before it came out. You saw it on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you were listening. I to- saw it a long time ago, um, the day before. Saw it in the editing room. Yeah, I did. but um, so I, I I put on another podcast just to you know get my La La Land juices flowing. Get me back in that. Mm, get me back those in that. Those Ryan Gosling juices flowing. Oh, those always flow. Um, <laughs> get, get myself back in the headspace that is the world of La La Land. Um, and I saw and I heard someone say before <laughs> the they described La La Land as the Force Awakens of Hollywood musicals. And I thought that was like really clever and really funny and kind of on point. Yeah, I mean, is what we've been talking about. Well, so I get, that's why I say that the, my complaints for it, I think, are reasons that it's trying to be safe and it's trying to be conventional mm-hmm. so that it succeeds. 
Honestly, mm-hmm. I believe that. So that eventually Damien Chazelle or anyone can go to a Hollywood studio like Lionsgate or whoever made this film and, and say, look, I have this idea for a musical, but it's going to be, you know, it's, it's La La Land meets something ridiculous. And they're going to be like, well, La La Land did good. And we only made that for $30 million. So mm-hmm. sure, here's 40. Go go make the movie that you want to make. I mean, you're right, Colin. Like, they're, it's a safe musical. I think. But they do have to play that game, and I think that's really smart. I agree Especially with now when stuff like that just isn't getting made. You have to do that. It's unfortunate, but you have to do that a little bit, and I think it worked to their benefit. Even though, for those of us who just want to see musicals anyways, we would have been okay with a full-on musical. It's the same thing with Star Wars. I mean, The Force Awakens, yes. and I, I tore into it a little bit on my stupid extended blog, but that's, that's me as a crazy super fan. I mean, they made it for the mainstream. And, and same with musicals. Like, I want a full-on tap dancing scene that goes on for 10 minutes. But, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, again, uh, I, I think, you know what we said, I think you'll get these type of people who gravitate to it, but they're going to be the type of people who would have liked it regardless because it's a musical. You're going to get everyone in between who are, who's seen this movie and it's still not like it's not risky enough or it's not different enough um, than what they're used to. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It, who, who made La La Land as far as studios? It's Lionsgate. Cause it, Damien Chazelle, I think falls into this weird in between category too, where, I mean, whiplash, that was like a full-on independent, right? Or was that uh, I don't think so. I maybe mean, not? Well, no, it was picked up from a short, yeah, so it so was I, probably a Lionsgate type of something. I guess we should look that up. It was at up, Sundance, but, though. Right. Um, I guess what I'm saying is just he's somewhere in between where you're not gonna. He, you're not sure if he's trying to put out. When you see the trailer, you're like, is this gonna be a full-on art film? And then right. you get it, and it's a little more pop a little more it's accessible to more yeah but it's not full-on blockbuster musical Mm -hmm. chicago something but which is what i liked about whiplash whiplash too they kind of just let it they didn't advertise the shit out of it they just kind of let it succeed through word of mouth it wasn't a big blockbuster i never saw trailers for it really beforehand but it was perfect. It's it's. I mean, I love loved Whiplash, and um, yeah. And I I, I uh, my favorite parts about this movie is the directing of this movie and everything technical with this movie. I think is just you know so such high caliber. Um, but you get we get we're gonna get this interesting progression right now, and it's gonna be really interesting. I think to see these three movies, um coming down the line well not coming down the line but to examine these three movies that he'll, he'll be doing he'd do a diehard indie film like Whiplash indie Hollywood hybrid that tries to subvert Hollywood but maybe falls into the same um, like same pitfalls that a lot of Hollywood movies fall into his next movie is a straight up biopic so it's like he's gone like the full spectrum and like I worried that like he started off as this indie director that shot Whiplash in 14 days or some crazy shit into this big Hollywood movie that's going to be the John Glenn biopic. Uh, Neil Armstrong. Oh, Neil Armstrong. Sorry. First man Uh, in the 
Yeah. It's called First I just, Man. I, I just don't want them to give him a superhero movie. <laughs> I just don't have <laughs> well, time for that. It's him and Denis. Or everyone's going to be battling for them. Denis Villeneuve. Who's yeah. doing, who, yeah. who's doing uh, Blade, uh, Blade Runner. Runner. And I think that falls into, in my mind. I'm psyched about that, that's, though. Yeah. Right. I'm if you're going to do an, a superhero-ish blockbuster, not that that is, but you know, I, a big action blockbuster, that's a pretty artsy one to pick. I, I, I do want to say, too, and I, I, I think in a weird way that he is this next, he, Damien Chazelle to me is the next Chris Nolan. I think, I think their movies are really similar in the sense that even though Chris Nolan, I think, even at the, the beginning of his career, was way more twisty, but his, like the Prestige, Chris Nolan, Chris Nolan and Damien Chazelle's, I mean, I'm, this is a small sample size for Chazelle, but they, they almost, exp- they they rely completely on the end of the film, and I think all almost all of, of Chris Nolan's movies are the same way, mm-hmm. um, and I think. Similarly, Chris Nolan wanted to be Hollywood, and he became Hollywood. I think Damien Chazelle wants to be Hollywood. I think he wants that movie. He wants the biopic. He's going to want a superhero movie. He's going to want a Star Wars movie. He's going to... And if, when someone comes calling to him, I think that... I think... My point is, I think, like The Dark Knight, it's going to be worth it. I, I can feel it having that power. I would agree with that. So we'll see. I mean, that's what everyone wants, really, right? If tomorrow, <laughs> if tomorrow Lucasfilm said, Colin Trevorrow, you're out for episode nine. Damien Giselle's in. I mean, that'd be kind of awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll do, maybe, you know what? Um, Damien Giselle should do the Cantina Band movie. They just do a lot of panning back and forth between the sax player and someone going, play that same play song. That same song. <laughs> oh, man. That's, there we should do that. It's a fan film in the making. Damien Giselle does the f- Figurin Dan Band. That's what it's called. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I've, I've, I, you know, I dogged on this movie a, a lot in this podcast. And, you know, I think rightfully so. But I, I do want to say some things I really responded really well to it, which is why it's still up pretty high on my films of the year. Sure. Um, what they do with lighting in this movie, I think, is just mm-hmm. so beautiful. I was um, thinking that. Really, just responsive lighting to the um, environments and the scenes that were going on, and we got—I mean, he played around, I think, with a little bit of it in Whiplash, but this is on like such a much bigger and um, a better scale. Um, so, just props to the lighting, mm-hmm. and I think the score is beautiful. While mm-hmm. I don't like really the songs, the melodies that accompany the songs are so great. I. Also with the lighting, they did, and you don't see this often outside of theater, um, there were a lot of times where the lighting was very much part of the production design. Like, for example, even in, I I think it was in his apartment, I want to say, I might be wrong, but there's almost nothing on the walls, but one of the walls is entirely it's not painted it's lit green yeah yeah and i i people forget to do that and it's really a cool effect and it looks so good that's a real old hollywood yeah but it's great even the stuff where like he's in a club playing piano and all the lights in the club turn Mm -hmm. down there's a spotlight on him like a stage yeah um that was that was what they did that was hollywood 101 back in the day because they just did what they did on stage and put it on television or Mm -hmm. i mean movies so yeah, I mean, I love that and, shit. Um, in I, I might be wrong, but the scenes that were shot in Griffith Park, it 
I don't think there are really street lamps there that are like that. They had a row of, I, I could be completely wrong. They might be there, but they had a row of like really old school looking street lamps that were not necessarily practical, but they gave it a stagey look where it almost looked like the whole thing was a set, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's a real place, you know, but they just did such a good job making these real places look so theatrical and the whole I just want to talk about the design more the whole ending like the the big montage I just loved that no sets in this were that extravagant we were talking about how much it cost probably and we were saying probably the most expensive scene as far as design was the concert scene with John Legend Mm. Um, in my opinion I might be wrong logistically is undoubtedly yeah, either that ton scene, of extras. Either that scene or the opening scene. Where they yeah. Shut down a, well, yeah, a, that too. But as far as set pieces, I mean, it didn't. They probably built the bar. I don't recognize it, but they, the whole last sequence with the montage, it was probably inexpensively done because they did these really two dimensional set pieces that look like you're on stage, and it was just. I loved that. The, you know, you feel like you're in Paris. You're not. I mean, it's so clearly a painted wall, but it still feels, it doesn't feel cheesy. It's so well done. And they move it like you're, you, they move it like a theater moves. Yeah, getting back to, you know, what I love about musicals is that campiness and that awareness. So that's mm-hmm. why I responded so well to that, that final sequence. Um, out of place for some of the movie, yes, but I, as a scene, I love it. What do you think? Uh, so, and the, where do you? Is this? Where? What Oscars do you think this could get nominated for? And is this going to be one of those films that wins seven and doesn't win Best Picture? Yes, I oh, think that's tricky. Um, I mean, undoubtedly, picture, uh, director, and actress, hands down, being nominated for those. Um, Cinematography, it will be. Um, score, it will be. Editing, probably. Those will probably all win. Design. Design it's is weird. tough, though. It's weird. I don't it, think it should. so. It, it might not. I don't think it will. Mm-hmm. What I liked about it is that it was so ballsy. I mean, especially with a musical, that's your one chance to go all out with design. I mean, you can do whatever you want, and that's the time to be flashy. And you look at even their apartments, and they're bare walls with like a couple pieces of paper taped up. And I think as a designer, that's so hard to force yourself to do that, to just make it look real um, when you have the chance to make it look fantastic, kind of. Um, I So, yeah, I don't – it could win production. It could be nominated. I don't think that it will be, though. Or I don't think it would win because it's not a lot of builds. It's not – Right, it's, it's not it's not grandiose. It's but it locations is. and it's really low key dressing, which he did in Whiplash as well. Right, but I just for me it's like the cinematography is great, but so much of that is not what's going on with. Like, I think cinematography will win. I know, but I just, it's a it's a I don't know. Some of so much of what you're seeing and that's beautiful is the design standpoint. I think. I mean, I get with the lighting and everything too, yeah. but. That was like a collaborative. I just like I like the collabor. I like seeing lighting teams working with production design right. that closely. It's yeah. it's like and and with 
cinematography, you, you know that they, whether they wanted to or not, they had to work closely together because of how they're moving through the space and changing the lighting and whipping the camera around and keeping everything lit the way you have to on a stage. Right, it's crazy. And a lot of those are one takes or yeah. the illusion that it's one take. Do you think it's one best picture, Colin? Oh, I really hope not. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to, but what do you I really think it is right now? It's between this and Moonlight, I would say. Moonlight, really? Yeah, I do. Um, when it ended, I said that it's going to win all the awards except Spotlight's going to win Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I can, I, I, I would be okay with it. Obviously, okay with it winning cinematography and, and score. Probably win sound mixing too. Um, it better win score. I it, mean, yeah, really it, there's no excuse. I, I, you know, the thing about Justin Hurwitz too is like even in Whiplash, which most you know, eighty percent of the music in that film is stuff that's already written. But his there is a lot of score though. But his Whiplash theme was like really, really catchy. The 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 piece that Ryan Gosling plays in this music. It's like haunting. It's it is so, so good. beautiful and it's simple, but. He is. He makes the kind of music where you walk out of the theater one time hearing it and you're singing it in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one does that anymore. Yeah, it's those melodies. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm telling. I mean, look. I know he seems to be Damien. Damien all said he will do every movie of his, and you know, in a Spielberg, John Williams way. But give. I know I'm bringing it back to this, but like Marvel and Lucasfilm need to go to this guy because he makes these themes that are really recognizable, which mm-hmm. Marvel just doesn't fucking have, and Star Wars yeah. is gonna need in the future. Uh, yeah. When John Williams isn't doing every movie, so I mean, I—it's not you think you think it's not his style of music, but I bet he can do a, a, a warmer, uh, bombastic hero kind of story. That's a good point. Um, he's, mean, he's one of my favorites right now. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I love both of them, but like we should also like keep in mind like he's we've seen him do very two very specific scores. That's, yeah. that's can true. Can he right. conduct an orchestra kind of thing? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I, the, the melody that really sticks to me is that um, I think it's a takeoff of the someone in the crowd, but it's like a I love it's that. So good. Yeah. yeah, I can't stop humming that. <laughs> All the flute stuff. I just there's well, the instrumentation is great. I mean, the, the, yeah. the observatory scene is yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't know, but as far as art design goes, I think it would be really strange if it <laughs> I don't think it would it's Especially not flashy enough up, you're going up against something like Jackie right and, what um, else I'm trying to Fantastic think what else is, Beast. Fantastic Beast would win honestly I mean even it, a just ri- for Arrival Grandeur too. yeah yeah Arrival could win mm-hmm. people See, love that stuff people love the stuff that makes you go oh god how did they pull that off but Arrival is one of those films to me that again like you're when you were saying about the walls and everything in their apartment looking really realistic and it's, and the genre is musical. So you're as a designer, you're like, well, let's just do everything Mm -hmm. arrival. I know you didn't see it, but it's an alien movie Mm -hmm. and you're thinking it's going to be really out there and crazy. And and it's not, I mean, I love probably really appreciate. I just, I loved like they use scissor lifts to get up to the spaceship. I mean, I love shit like that where it was like, this is just what it would be like. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really impressive. And obviously the look of this alien stuff is cool too, but, Mm-hmm. Um, no spoilers. Though. No spoilers. But I do appreciate that. I hate. I get so irritated watching sci-fi movies and seeing another see-through computer screen and <laughs> like, who in the world is using that? 
you want everyone to see what you're looking at on Facebook. <laughs> right. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> um, anything? Any other thoughts on La La Land? Um, I kind of wanted to. I mean, I can tie this into like you know my overall. Yeah. My overall thoughts of it too, but I, I wish Mr. was maybe still here because he's the only one that's seen Hail Caesar. Um, but I've seen it. Oh, you've seen it? Yes. Okay. Well, then I. Mean, I liked it a lot. Yes, and I think if we're talking about movies that are like a love letter to Hollywood, like Hail Caesar is to me the superior that, of those movies. Yes. Even like as far as directing a musical number like Hail Caesar is you wouldn't think that Hail Caesar has like two of the best musical numbers like in recent memory in it. It does. Because <laughs> they go for they go for flashy. They go yeah. for design. It's very fantastic and over the top. That of the whole scene um, with Channing Tatum is so well choreographed. And I want to watch that again. It's though. so good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's just an interesting year, and, and especially like not like this is the movie that everyone's like talking about, like the musical of the year. When like I think Hail Caesar's a superior musical. I just saw Moana this morning. It's a superior musical, like it's an actual musical. Um. Even you get movies that sing street that deal with music. Um, so it's, I mean, there's, you know, Jungle Book was, I'm not, not that you loved it or whatever. I'm just saying that that was also, you know, that had three songs in it, maybe a little less than this, but that was kind of a musical as well. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's this is a, a tricky movie for me because I, I really want to love it. Um, and, um, like I said, a lot of the things as far as design and execution of directing, I, I love. Um, but, you know, to me, the story is just like so trite and like so mm -hmm. seen it a hundred times. And like, yes, he does a few things different, but it doesn't warrant enough for me to watch two white people try to succeed in Hollywood again. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen it so many times. And then to give me these super one dimensional characters that are like so yeah. stocked picked especially uh, when those parts of whiplash are so strong yeah yeah so it's just uh, it's 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 a disappointment to me for something i had really high expectations for but i still appreciate the craft i mean there's so much magic to this movie there's also so many problems with it for me um do you recommend it i don't actually um <gasps> I think it will appeal to certain people, but if I'm telling people, you know, a movie that you need to go see in theaters right now, it's not going to be La La Land. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know. And I knew I, you were going to say that. And, you know, people will be like, oh, Colin, you don't like musicals. Um, no, you don't that's fucking not know true. Me. I love musicals. That's, I will defend <laughs> you on that. This is like, and, and, I've, and it pisses me off because like, I hear people and critics say like, oh, if you love musicals, this is the movie for you. Um, if you like listen to like Broadway show tunes, this is the one for you. No, it's no. like the total opposite of that. Like you're, they, yeah. you got it so wrong. I would actually say, if you don't like musicals but you want to try, this is the music I, I musical would for you. Agree with if that. you like musicals, like you're a diehard musical fan, you'll enjoy this movie. Mm -hmm. But and the people I've talked to that we did theater with, um, I, I'm not gonna say their names, but we who have seen it and. <laughs> We've all kind of had the same response mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. um, I I mean I recommend it to anyone. I think if I I mean I like if someone's like what movie should you see in theaters right now? To me, it's 
to the average person, I think it's Rogue One and uh, La La Land, personally. Like, I think that most adults that I know will get the most enjoyment out of these two movies. Um, so I do recommend it. I mean, again, I, even if, I, to both of your points, I, if you don't like musicals, that, that shouldn't be an issue. And I think a lot of people, I mean, like, a few people over New Year's were saying that. Like, I don't know. Not much of a musical fan. No, I, I would highly recommend it. I think it. that it, it's not for, you know, just musical fans. No, I agree. All right, let's wrap it up. Liz, we, oh. we end every show with uh, video on demand recommendations. We like, like to pick one, usually, like a Netflix, HBO Go, Amazon, that sort of thing. Something you've been watching. Well, We've been I'm just going to. But what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you recommend? I'm just going to recommend Wishful Drinking because we just you watched had never that. Seen it. I had never yeah. seen it, and it's on HBO now. They jumped right on that. But it's not just because of what happened. It's, I mean, it's a, but I think it's a very good way to remember her. And I learned a hell of a lot about her in that. She's fascinating. I mean, it's a fascinating story. I don't know how anyone comes out of that childhood normal, <laughs> but um, it, she's, and, and just seeing, you know, a middle-aged woman go up and do this whole show where she's so funny and so vulgar and um, just so with it. It was just great. Yeah, I mean, obviously listening to her talk about all the Star Wars stuff is great. But yeah, like, she doesn't linger on it, though. No, but when she pulls that uh, blackboard down with all mm -hmm. the like, oh, it goes one. through that, It that is so good. So well done. <laughs> it's great. Mm -hmm. Con, what do you recommend? This is tricky because I, and I, I'm kind of breaking the rules here uh, with video on demand re uh, recommendations, but I've seen so many movies in theaters since our last screening uh, that I have not watched anything on demand recently. Um, but I can tell you the movies I've seen in theaters, and yeah. I recommend them all. So, um, an alternative to La La Land. Um, now, these movies will not be for everyone, but I saw Fences which I recommend. I saw Moana this morning, which I highly recommend, especially if you like musicals. Um, I saw Lion, and I saw The Handmaiden. Um, I recommend all those movies. Um, so if you're looking for a theater-going What is The Handmaiden? Oh, girl. <laughs> it is all everything. I got was an inappropriate screenshot. <laughs> it is everything that I want in a movie. <laughs> is it in theaters? Um, what is it? I saw a screener of it. Okay. Um... It screener. I have my sources. Is it a foreign picture? Yeah, yeah it's uh, Korean by the same okay. guy who did uh, Old Boy and Oh, um, okay. Um, Thirst and Lady Vengeance, I think, and Interesting. Stoker. Oh, it's so good. It is okay. so me. I love this. <laughs> I love that movie. Sex it and is. Scandal. Well, it was, it's based off of um an, a novel that was like set in I, I think in England. Um, like in the 20th century, but then they the director shifted it to 30th, um, what, 1930s, um, like Korea Japanese like occupa occupation, and just well, oh the the twist the turns it's a sexual thriller uh, it is it is everything. <laughs> <laughs> it Sorry. is everything. No, I, 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 I've gotten movies, I've gotten lost in, in in this movie, and it, it's two and a half hours long, and I've never ended a movie and want to immediately watch it again more. Ooh, okay. And you did with did La La Land. 
Yes, I did. <laughs> and I already want to see it again. Um, did you see Old Boy? I didn't. Because I didn't either. I've never seen the original, and it's supposed to be like one of the best movies ever. Anyone here? No? Nope. Okay. I watched like the first not. 15 minutes where he like gets captured, and then he's like in the That's hotel. Spoiler. But then I, I, I keep falling asleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're gonna, the old boy. <laughs> I'm going to recommend another movie I purchased on YouTube. Liz, we just okay. watched. We just watched when Harry oh. met Sally, and because yes. it's New Year's, and uh, because Carrie Fisher's in it, and it's not a Star Wars movie. If you if you want to see her act in something else, that's uh, another big role of hers. So funny. Um, she she has a bigger role than most people remember in that movie, and not only that, but it, I think it's fun knowing she's a script doctor, knowing she was friends with Nora Ephron, um, and knowing her humor. I think you can even pick out the lines in the movie that she probably made up on set, uh, which is fun, and. Um, just in general, When Harry Met Sally to me is still the best romantic comedy out there, and um, it's also an, I think it's another genre of movies that really doesn't do much for anyone anymore, and they also don't make a lot of them anymore. Um, so it's fun to go back and watch that. I'm sure we'll get some nostalgic '80s New York romantic comedies in the next couple of years when people realize they can make films like La La Land and TV shows like Stranger Things and uh, bank on that. I would be so okay with that. Love That's for good, yeah. I love a good New York rom-com. We need a Detroit rom-com, Liz. That's what we need. Mm. Do we? Yeah. <laughs> how about, a, how about a, romantic, a romantic getaway movie in Traverse City? Okay. In the, this would be fun. In yeah. the 60s. Well, sure. Sure. Good vineyards out there. Yeah. You could do it. Call it Cherry Wine. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, when Harry Met Sally is on Hulu for people who don't want to buy it. How about oh, you call it When Cherry Met Sally? There we go. <laughs> I want everyone to know that there is laughing, <laughs> even though you can't hear it. What about and it'll star Cherry Fisher and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Too far. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Um, this has been the Woodward's Filmcast. Uh, if you have any thoughts on La La Land, uh, which I know people do, people do, um, hit us up at woodwardsfilmcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at woodwardsdet. For Colin, Mitch, and Liz, I am Kale. We'll see you next week with another film. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2017. This has been a WoodwardsDetroit.com production, your Detroit avenue to alternative pop culture talk.